Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 316. I hadn't even came through the door yet. And I hit the door and Rochelle! And I'm like, oh! Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue. Thanks for joining me here today. If you've been a longtime listener, I so appreciate your loyalty. And if you're brand new here, welcome. Before we get started, I have to tell you that it's time. The doors are now open for enrollment in my Maker's MBA program. If the idea of starting a business by selling your handmade products has been swirling around in your mind, it's time to take action. And there has never been a better time to get started. The attraction for handmade products, along with the focus on supporting small business, is at an all-time high. Come join Makers MBA and get step-by-step guidance and support as you start and grow a business of your very own. Think of this program as a lifetime resource on how to and what's next for every stage of your business. Once you're in, you have access forever, including all updates and enhancements to the trainings. For all the details, go over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash makers MBA. But act fast. I only do one class a year. So if you miss out, 2022 will be your next chance. Don't let your dream wait that long. I've got your back and the time is now. Giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash makers MBA. Moving on to our show today. You've heard the stories of people overcoming tragedy and rising to something greater. This is going to be one of those inspirational stories, but it's even more. You see, to use Rochelle's own words, she decided it was time to step out from inside the box. And has it ever paid off? This popular sweet maker experienced letdowns on several fronts, but rose, baking pun intended, (laughs) to create her own product line and, catch this you guys, be a final four contender in the greatest baker. All because she stepped into her greatness. Today's guest is Rochelle Ingram. If you check her out on Instagram, right in her bio, she starts with, it's yo girl Ro," And that pretty much sums up the spirit behind this powerhouse of a lady. The room lights up when she enters and her energy is contagious. Rochelle is a well-known and popular baker, pastry artist, and confectioner. She serves as head instructor and CEO of Your Sweet Connection, a company that serves other bakers the knowledge and techniques to develop their own baking business. She's been featured in America Cake Decorating Magazine and seen on Tasty. Rochelle, we've been working so hard, and finally, I've gotten you on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Welcome! 
Thank you. Yes. (laughs) It took us a while, but that just means this is going to be a super special episode. How about that? Absolutely. Finally made it here. Finally. (laughs) Finally. Anyway, I always start out by asking each of my guests the same question. We've been airing actually for about six years now, so I have six years of answers to this question. Woo, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. But our listeners really are interested because it gives people a different look besides just the intro, like a different peek inside of who you are. So if you were to share with us a motivational candle that in your mind you imagine would be your perfect candle, what would it look like by color and quote? Well, for color, it would be purple and quotes would be live life and live it more abundantly. And live it more abundantly because do you feel like people aren't really giving the life all the gusto it deserves? No. Yeah. I think we hold ourselves back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially in this industry, a lot of people hold back and don't know what they really hold or what they really have until they tap into their gift. Why do you think that is that they hold back? I believe fear fear of the unknown or fear of the success, Mm -hmm. fear of the work. And that's just from my experience in teaching other students. A lot of them have a lot of fear or fear of having such a big responsibility. Oh, interesting. So the fear comes from all over the place then. Oh, yeah. That's just from the students that I have interact with. And it's so many. I have taught over thousands of bakers or entrepreneurs, those that have brick and mortars, but all of them have displayed to me a fear of everything I just mentioned. And more so lately, I've noticed the fear of responsibility. It's like they start off real good and as soon as they feel like they can't handle it or something feel like it's too much, like bills, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. customer service. They want to shut down and be like, okay, I can't handle it. Yeah. Well, I would say that this whole entrepreneurial journey, like the whole word entrepreneur is such a big popular word right now. Yes, it can equate to freedom in some way because you get to be your own boss, but there's a lot to it. And like with you, with working with bakers specifically, I think it's the same whether you're a baker or another type of product maker, but you love what you're doing because you love the idea of the making portion, but there's all the other business aspects to look at and consider as well. Right. Everything looks good once you get it done or something that you either create, invent, or produce or start a new trend. It's good at that moment. But then when you're constantly going and going, it's work involved. At the end of the day, it's nothing but work. And the key to that is to stay consistent. Yeah. Well, and I think you also have to like doing it. Oh, yeah. Have a passion. Yeah. Some people get into it and say, you know what? I really like baking cakes, but this whole business side of it, not interested. So either they get somebody to do that business side or, and this is an okay thing too, they just decide that they're not going to have it be a business. Not in the sense that we're talking about a professional business where you're really going to try to have some portion of life-sustaining income with it. Right. Even if it's an extra $500 a month, let's say, because still with that, you've got your taxes, you've got your bookkeeping, 
you have all that that you would need to do. This is a whole concept. I like what you brought up here is that the fear comes at all different stages because I don't think, well, I'm going to ask you this question. I mean, aren't you, I don't know if you'd use the word fearful, but anxious or nervous sometimes as you continue to grow. Oh, absolutely. I'm going through that right now because I've started my online shop, my e-commerce, but I've been open publicly since the Black Friday sale. So since was that in November, mm-hmm. I always had an online shop, but I was selling to just my students, my groups, you know, the students that's in my groups. Oh, so now you're public facing with your shop. Yes. All right. We're going to dive into that a little bit more as we go. But I just want to say one more thing about this fear thing. And Rochelle, I might embarrass you a little bit. I'm not sure. But you just have to go with me here on this. (laughs) I'm very transparent. I'm open. (laughs) All right. So talking about like looking on and thinking that you want to start your business. I remember when I first met you in person, okay, which was at Sid's show, right? The ultimate sugar show. Yes, that's correct. And... I'm not even kidding. When you walked in, first off, you're really tall. So you have a big presence when you come in, right? Right. (laughs) But it was like people knew you entered the room and swarmed you. Right. I was shocked. (laughs) Do you remember that? Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, who is that? I got to know who that is. And then when I found out it was you, because I already knew you by name and face, Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know you in person. And you know how I knew you? I knew you because of Aaron from Archon Mounts. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, because Aaron and I got into a conversation about you at one point along the way. He's been on the show, too. Okay, great, yeah. And so that was how. But so my point in bringing this up and embarrassing you a little bit, maybe, but just giving our listeners a feel for who you are, too, is that a lot of people could look on and say, I want to be that. Right. And all they see is that. And they don't see everything else that it's taken you to get there. And I'm really curious, how did you feel when you entered the room and like all these people swarmed over to you? Was it like shocking and nerve wracking or were you like excited and happy and accepting? It was shocking and exciting just to even be in their presence Mm -hmm. and that they thought that much of me. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Like, okay. It had to feel so great. It's like affirmation for everything that you do. I hadn't even came through the door yet. And I hit the (laughs) door and Rochelle. I'm like, oh, hey. I mean, like everybody called out my name. I know. I was like, oh, okay. What I just walk into? Yeah. And that wasn't a small room either. I mean, it was a whole big That was the trade show area where all the booths were and all that. So it was a big room. So, yeah, that was hysterical. But I want to go back and have everyone learn about, myself included, your journey. Because we've already talked a little bit about where you are now. We've also talked about the fear. You've pointed it out that a lot of your students, one of the big fears is just even taking that first step. So let's go back in time for you and talk about how that happened. Where were you when you identified that this was something that you loved doing, the whole baking industry? Well, my story is a little different. It may be the same for others 
and it just hasn't came out with some, maybe. You've piqued my curiosity now. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been baking for a long time, since I was 14, 15. Then I got into baking cakes and pound cakes for my dad's church. He's a pastor. Well, he just retired. (laughs) Just now? Just recently? Just recently. Oh, good for dad. (laughs) Was his last year and my brother took over. Mm. So I would do cakes and it was a point in my life in 2014, 2015, I think it's 2014 Mm -hmm. or 2015, one of them. And I just asked my daughter this question. I had a tumor the size of a soccer ball in my belly. Didn't know it. It had to be removed. It set me down. I got into a depressed state in my life because at that time, I had other business. I had a group home business. I had eight homes, and I would manage them every single day. Well, this particular day, April 17th, in 2014, I was sat down. I had to learn how to walk again. I couldn't do anything, and I was in a depressed state in my life that I had to figure out something. I felt I was losing everything because at that time I was making $300,000 a year between those eight homes. So those were group homes for? Seniors and the mentally developed disabled. So that's wonderful. So you were going out and making sure that all the homes, that everything was working properly and functioning well and all that. Yep. I had staff. I would network with different lawyers, different counselors, guardians, whoever needed placement for their family member. That's what I did. Wow. What a fabulous service that you were providing. I mean, I know you're doing it as a business, but what a fabulous service. So you, with the tumor that you found, like everything had to change in your life, including learning how to walk, as you were saying, and like it was a whole life reset for you then. I'm guessing. Oh, a whole reset. Everything that was flashed before me was just like, you know, and then it was crazy because I was getting tired of just doing it by myself. My son had went off to college. My oldest daughter had started driving semi trucks. So it was just my youngest daughter, which is going to be 18. And then my son is 14 and it was her birthday. And I got cold, had chills, came back home and took her to her party, still trying to get her a special day. And that day they had to rush me from her event to the hospital. My temperature was 256 over 180. I passed out in the lobby. I woke up. I was in a hospital bed. Oh, my gosh. But from that day, after going through all of that, I knew that I was like, okay, I recoup. I got to get back into it because I got a business to run. Right. So my body went septic. I was at home with an IV. I couldn't do anything. My sister had to come over and give me medicine. So during that time, I just had to find to do something because I don't drink or smoke or do anything like that. So I really began to tap into my gift. And over that period of time, I fell in love with sugar art and started doing candy apples, anything with sugar, tempering and all of that. So did you test like a couple of creative endeavors and then land on sugar art or did it come to sugar art right from the beginning? 
No, it started with strawberries, and then I started doing candy apples, and then I just started just like, oh, I can do this with sugar. I can make a rose with sugar. It started from there. And I remember my sister, she would come over, and she would get me up and take me into the kitchen, and I would just sit in there because (laughs) I can walk. Mm-hmm. And I would just sit in there and everything was accessible to me. And I would just began to start with my craft. And I was like, I feel alone until my kids got home. At the time, I wasn't a Facebook person. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I would try to figure out what I need to do or to something that would entertain me. Because my mind was already focusing on being creative or tapping into my gift. And at that time, I didn't know what I I was just trying to. Spend my day with my mind, keep keep my mind stimulated so I wouldn't think about my condition because I just didn't want to be disabled. Right. Like your condition, but you were also lonely because everyone was off doing their days. Yeah. And I couldn't go nowhere until somebody came. That was like reality hit. Like, this is what I do for people. Now, I got people coming over here doing this for me. This is not how this is supposed to be. So it was a depressed state in my life. And at that time, I had a friend of mine, a guy friend of mine, and he left. (laughs) That was it. So I was like, well, Lord, what am I going to do? What is it that you want me to do? So this is what I'm having a conversation every day. Like, I'm here. You saved me to be here after all of this. What is it that you want me to do? So I got into Facebook. Someone asked me, oh, they liked what I had posted. They wanted to know. How could they learn? And I just got into Facebook doing different photos, posting, and then I found Periscope. I was introduced to Periscope, taught on Periscope, and all I did was show how, and this is after I done went through my therapy and stuff like that. The tumor was connected to my kidneys and my bladder. So I had to go to therapy and they had to make sure everything was good. But after I made it through all of that, I just started to be more in tune with people that had the same liking of the art. And I'm like, oh, it's a whole nother world. I was realizing it's a whole nother world over here. (laughs) Yeah. So at that depressed state of my life, I realized I had a gift that needed to be shared to other people. Because when I got on Periscope and hearing the stories or reading people's stories or People inboxing me, telling me, oh, my God. I told my testimony through Periscope, and people just started coming off from all walks of life (laughs) telling me their story. I'm like, okay. Yeah, there's something here. Yeah. So when you were on Periscope, were you demoing how you made some of the sugar art? Is that what your content was? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So did you have a regular show where you showed up a certain day of the week or in time of the day and all that so people knew to look for you? Or was it that people just happened to find you if they were scrolling Periscope? Well, at first I would just jump on and just start doing different things and just record myself. And then when I seen that I had a following, then I created a group called Divine Bacon Divas. And that now holds, that was one of the group that everybody wanted to get into, which DBD stands for Divine Bacon Divas. And divas meaning divinely inspired, but victorious and always serving. Oh, I love that. 
Yeah, not just serving treats or cakes, but we're serving to the community and others to continue to be inspired as a sisterhood. So I created that group, and that's when I started with looking to see who would be a part in their free time, help me to grow the group. And I met some wonderful ladies. Some came, some went, but there are some that's still there holding it down to this day. So Divine Baking Divas, is that Periscope specific or is it a Facebook group or what is that group now? It's a Facebook group. It's a Facebook group. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would schedule, like make an announcement. Hey, I'm doing this on Periscope. Join me. And that's when my following just started to grow. Okay, gotcha. And at this point, were you monetizing anything or you were just sharing what you knew and your skill? You were teaching, but you weren't getting paid for any of that. Yeah, I wouldn't monetize it at all. But what you were doing at that point is validating that there was a ton of interest out there to learn from you and to know what you know. Yeah, I was still learning the community. I had to figure out like what's really going on. You know what I'm saying? So in the Facebook group, grew. We still have 3,000, over 3,000 people in the group. It was like, we got to like six to 8,000 people waiting to get in. And I made it private because the foundation that I was laying on in this group, we're going to do everything. I'm teaching for free and this is what I'm displaying. So I wanted people to have the freedom of advertising or showing their work because what I've learned then, would nobody share? And I'm like, well, I'm just a vessel being used because going through that process of what I went through, at that time, I felt I should do this freely. And I still give a lot of free information, but now that it's more structured and I'm doing things as a business. And at that time, it wasn't a business for me. It was just sharing what I know, what I learned, and I'm self-taught. Yeah, well, I love that because that will relate to a lot of our listeners, right? Because, and a lot of people I know who listen feel like maybe if they didn't have education behind their craft, that it's not worth charging for. Oh, no. Like they've never had to learn the skill, even though they naturally have the skill, or to your point, are self taught. But so let's continue with your story. So how, where, at at what point did the transition come in of you starting to form a real business? I would say in 2015. So within a year then? Mm Mm-hmm, within a year. Okay. Because I was getting so many requests. And at the time, I still had my homes, but I had lost four. Had eight now. I had lost four. I had to shut them down. So in this process, I'm still going through my issues, which nobody knows. And I'm writing a book about this. Then wrote a book. I just got to finish it. But in my book, I talk about this process because after all of that, I'm still here and I got a whole nother business. And not saying that I didn't love it, but I love this is just where I should be. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, there's nothing to say that at that time in your life and in the world, that was what you were supposed to be doing. Mm Mm-hmm. He has some difference. Yeah. Now Mm -hmm. at this point, this is what you should be doing. So what steps, like tell us in more of a concrete way, how did you start building a business? Did you decide then that you were going to create the name of your business? What did you do? When I created Divine Baker Davis, I had to 
file paperwork because at that point it became a business for what I wanted to see form out of it. Mm-hmm. So we started serving to the community. Me and another ambassador of mine, her name is Tawana. She's still ambassador and LaDonna. And we did um, Easter basket drive. So I knew if I was going to be out in the community, I had to pat my name and get started. In that process, I was setting up to do shows, like to have people come out and just show they work. You know what I'm saying? And just make money off of it. But I started doing my own workshops, traveling to different states, doing my own workshops. I did a tour and just did candy. I did treat. It was just a treat tour. And I did candy apples, strawberries, Rice Krispie treats. It's whatever everyone was really into. And I did a whole treat package and I made that a workshop. So these were face-to-face workshops. Were they connected with a trade show or were they just your own workshops? No, they were my own workshops. I didn't get into trade shows until that following year. All right. So you went around to probably where people were who were part of the Divine Baking Divas, I'm guessing. And then we're doing live workshops. And that's the first way you monetized, teaching what you knew. Mm -hmm. Hands on. Okay. Love it. And so how big were those classes? Between 25 to 30. So nice size. Not too big, but not too small either. Yeah. Not too small where you weren't making money on them, but not too big where people didn't felt like they didn't get any of the attention. Yeah. And I think the first class I had 20 people. And then when they seen that work, they work, then more people wanted to come. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I took a whole summer, did a whole summer tour and I did it every year. And I traveled from that time until now. I traveled over 20 states. Wow. That's amazing. You have that going. And were you doing that up until last year when everything got shut down? Yeah, it got different because at that point when they started to hear about me, they wanted me to come to their shows. Mm -hmm. Like, who is this girl? I was doing my own workshops. So I would be invited to do different shows. And I did a meet and greet with Divine Bacon Divas. And when I did the meet and greet, it was in Atlanta. The first one was in Atlanta. And we would do it every other year. And it was just from that community, Divine Baker Divas, the sisterhood. And over the period of time, I had to realize it's just more than us. Now, I have helped and and built these ladies up, those that need help. And it's time for me to take it, for me to step out. So that's where from Divine Baker Divas, since I was creating and building my platform and getting myself out there, I knew I had to do more. And so I would tell Tawana or LaDonna, like, I need to step out. And I'm coaching to them. Y'all do, too. It's more than just these four walls. I feel like we're in the four walls, and that's not where we should be. In order to grow, we have to step outside of the box. And I feel like now we are inside of the box. And so what was the action to step out of the box? Create another brand, another entity, which produced Your Sweet Connection. (laughs) So the Divine Baking Divas is still more of an exclusive community. Mm -hmm. And then how is Your Sweet Connection different? They have some similarities, but Your Sweet Connection is more, because I did so much in there freely, I didn't want to feel like I wanted to take from that. 
I still want it to be as that nonprofit. So it's not for profit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. which your sweet connection is a whole brand, a whole corporation where from other business that can come from up under that, like YSC Supply Shop, the VIP, the YSC VIP Academy, which is online. And I just created, I'm still waiting on the paperwork, YSC Care Foundation, nonprofit foundation to help the less fortunate, those that are at need, any baker that may be striving and trying to come up and need help. So maybe offering scholarships or things like that? Yes. The vision currently, some of this is still getting established and some of this is already in existence under your sweet connection is the supply shop, which is your e-commerce location, right? I want to get into that. An academy, which is a training center, and then your care portion, which is the giving back and the nonprofit. Yep. Beautiful. I love that so much. Thank you. Let's talk about the supply shop. How did you decide to get into that? And tell us a little bit more about that. More of Rochelle's story coming up right after this quick break. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How, you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels, too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Well, when I started going to all these different shows and being asked to be a brand ambassador for this company, for that company, I began to be a brand ambassador for seven different companies. What does it mean when you become a brand ambassador? You're displaying or promoting someone else's product or just being a face to their brand for that company to bring in sales or show the use of a product that is good. And I only be a part of those that I really do like. And that is good. That works. Right. How did that come about? Is it because they saw that you were using their product already? Some saying that I was using their product and then they would email me and say, hey, we want you to try this. And a lot of the times, If it wasn't something that I have never used, and I'm open, but if I don't like it and I don't think it's going to work, then I don't even mention it. And plus, when I started Your Sweet Connection, I started doing YouTube. So I get a lot of sponsor and brand deals from YouTube as well. So they just email or they just ask. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then do you have to sign a contract or something or how does that work? With some companies, yes. So they would just send free products for me to try out and just do the content from my social media platform and just go from there. I do get monetized. I get compensated for whatever I display or whatever I do. So like an affiliate type program? Right. Mm -hmm. 
Got it. Okay. So this is what started you thinking about the supply shop, the e-commerce shop? Mm-hmm. Yep. I wanted my own baking line. Ooh. Yeah, Wilton's had promised me my own line with them. And it's because I had started doing YouTube. And they sent me some stuff, and I was I created the content, but it never happened. So I was disappointed because I put out a lot of content on YouTube. You put out a lot of content on YouTube using their product with the understanding that your name or somehow those products at some point were going to be a product that people could buy through Wilton, but be branded you. Right, because... My following, if I show or display it, they're going to buy it. Right. <laughs> and that's where a lot of other companies would come to me because I would refer. I'm like, hey, you need to go to them. Check out this shop. Check out this shop. Because if it's good, I'm going to recommend my students or so whoever to go and purchase or try it out. So I didn't get it. And at that point, I said, you know what? I know it's a way I can get my own. But I started researching before I even jumped into even getting my own brand line. And I sat on it for about a year and a half. And I'm like, am I prepared? This is where the fear come in. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm like, am I prepared for this? Because as soon as I put something out, they want to know. So when I did put it out, oh, my God, I had almost 800 orders. And that was just the silicone mats. I had got silicone mats and I was working on other items. And then I said, okay, I need a supply shop. Okay, so time to back it up. Okay. <laughs> back <laughs> it up. Okay, so having your own line, that sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. How do you get products to be in your own line? Because you're not recreating a product, right? You're not like remaking a product that's different from other products or like, or are you? Like, how do you get your products and get your name on products and make it into a shop? <laughs> <laughs> That's a big question. <laughs> I got a class for that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. Okay, so just give us a little summary, just a teaser. You don't have to tell us all the details, obviously. People need to take your class if they want to go that route. No, you, you find a manufacturer that is, okay, say Pyrex glass so i use chocolate so my signature thing on melting candy wafer chocolate wafer is in a pyrex glass now if i wanted my own which i've been working on that for some years now i got one but i don't like the quality of it so i'm still in search of finding a new manufacturer that will provide that good quality of glass so you find a manufacturer or a supplier that will produce or create items that is fitting for your brand, your company, or that's something that's signature that you use and some people may want. And <laughs> I'm trying to answer this accordingly <laughs> without telling the secrets. Okay, so you find a place to manufacture your product and then you work with the manufacturer to get it the way you would like it to be, right? Exactly. So what types of products do you have in the supply shop now? That's my own brand or? Yeah, that's your own brand. My silicone mats, my mixing spoons. I have some measuring cups, but they're not out yet. Ooh, so you're tempting our listeners, Rochelle. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, you can have your own product line. I had a pot, but this pot and this particular item was an issue because it was being manufactured from China. And the weight of it was an issue, and it got held up at customs for a whole year. So it caused a whole issue. And at that point, I had to tell them, okay. And at that time, I didn't know what could have held up that shipment. But anything that's coming from China will cause an issue. If something in that package detects something foul or foul, I mean, something, it can be just as small as a B or something could be in the package. If something is not right with the package, it's not going to come over to the United States. Yeah, I know that I import from China. I have my own product also. Okay. And come in from China. I know all that story. But my question is, so you have a lot of different types of products in your supply shop. Are they all from different factories? Yes. Okay. So that's a whole organization thing unto itself too, right? Oh, yes. Different vendors. Okay. So you've got that. And then you also have, you're selling products that are made by others. It, you mm-hmm. just endorse them. So you've put them in your shop. You're getting them wholesale, I'm guessing, and then selling them out. Yes, that's correct. Okay. And where is all of that functioning from? Do you get the product over to you and then you fulfill all the orders physically in some location around you? Yeah, I have everything shipped to me. Everything is delivered to me and I repackage from whatever wholesaler, whether it's from chocolate, Merkins. I can even open a whole candy shop. Sue, I tell you, I was telling my students, y'all just don't know. They so excited because I do have a brick and mortar and an e-commerce class online. Mm -hmm. But the vendors that I am working with will help provide a million dollar business if they do it right. That's amazing. If they do it right. If they do it right. And the reason why I say that is because if you, and I'm going to just throw out some numbers and a scenario. And this is how I did my research because before the pandemic, I was heading to Atlanta, which I still am, to open up a shop. And, you know, I got some supplies still there. And I was going to connect with Cookie Nip. Yeah, Michelle. Michelle's been on the show too. <laughs> that's my girl. Yeah. Yeah, Mark and Michelle. Yeah. yeah that's my girl. I want to say something really quick here to everyone who's listening. So gift biz listeners, when we talk about collaborations, listen as Rochelle keeps talking. This is a perfect example of a collaboration. Carry on. (laughs) (laughs) She was going to build this huge, I don't know if I should be saying this because I'm not, but Michelle don't get me. But we were going to collaborate and combine our businesses and our services and make something master- I say master elite because it was they was going to build a state of the art studio for bakers to come in and teach, do video. And I was going to have my portion of the shop in their location. And I still think it's going to come. Yeah, everything was just put on pause. That's all. Yeah. So I was headed to Atlanta, but. I tell people all the time, if you take this scenario, go somewhere. And this is where I did my research. I did my research for even before then. So like three years ago, 
if you take us everybody into bacon in a location where it's hard and i'm going to say like north carolina and riley they don't have too many supply shops right and i'm gonna use atlanta for example because that's where the research came from cake art is in atlanta and they like the only place that everybody go to in the state of Georgia. They have other little places, but everybody go to Cake Art because they have everything in there that's needed. They can walk in and get it instead of wait on their orders to come through the mail, right? So if you have this one shop that everybody's shopping with, this is a million-dollar company, right? So say, for instance... You have your shop and you put your shop in an area where everybody is in a neutral zone. Everybody can come to. And then now there's is another place. You're open from Monday through Friday. Right. And just say, for instance, people like to shop Monday through Friday. Your doors are open and you have 200 customers coming in a day. So say you have a Saturday, which is busy. You got 200 customers come in that you do your end of the day sale. You got 200 customers come in. Out of those 200 customers, every one of them spent $200. Okay, let me get out my calculator here. Every one of them spent $200. This is just an example. You got 200 customers. That's $40,000 on just that day. And a Saturday is different than other days. Than other days. And all the days is not going to be the same because you're going to have your slow days. Right. But just an example, if you was the only shop in a location and everybody go to this particular store Monday through Friday and your traffic is still high throughout the week, that's a million-dollar business. If you're getting 40000 a day, because I've seen the people spend the money in the supply shop. Right. I spend two to three hundred, but I'm just saying, like, if you can go into a Hobby Lobby and they have a high traffic and that's just 200 people. So with your small business, if you get that same type of traffic and you just get that in one day, just imagine what you're getting through the week. And that's just Monday through Friday. So if you come in on a Saturday, you got more people or if you open seven days a week. Yeah. For sure. What you're really getting at is you're identifying an opportunity in a market. You're seeing that there are already people interested, and then you're coming in and taking a little piece of the pie, if you will. And when you have a brand like you've started to develop, you have a following, and it can really add up. It can. Yeah. Now, the one thing I just want to say to people who are maybe new to the show or new to business Rochelle is talking about a million-dollar business. Now, that's top-line revenue. That's not take-home money because you still have the cost of leasing, employees, buying the products, taxes, yeah, all of that. So I just want to make sure that, yeah, all of it. (laughs) But still, you're just showing how there's a market and there are people that can buy. And 200 customers may or may not be realistic right when you're starting. Starting, absolutely. But it's just a peek at how the numbers can't, like, to look at your numbers and to see what you need and to go from there, of course. So you were mentioning in the beginning of our conversation about the supply shop that it can be very lucrative as long as you don't make some mistakes. Can you share with us one mistake that you see happen? Like maybe something that you've seen with your students or 
one mistake. Yeah. Why do you have like 10 you want to share with us? <laughs> <laughs> or just something that people should be cautious of. What would you say? Don't do it because you think you're going to just make money. I believe in doing it because you love to and make money, but it's a lot behind it. And don't do it to be like someone else or to be better than someone else. Just be great at it. Speak in my language. I mean, it has to be a deeper reason than just financial reward. Exactly. So serving the public or serving that community, you have to have a heart behind it. So the biggest mistake you can make is going into it just for the money because you want to be inviting to your customers. Or the biggest mistake is to go into it and feel like, oh, I'm going to do the same thing they're doing and I'm going to get the same thing because it's working for them. But no, what may work for them may not work for you. That's right. Every market is different. So you can't take what you see somebody else market and put it in your market and think it's going to work over in this area because that's not the case. Every market is different. Yeah, it's so true. Wrong thing to do is not do your homework and not research. It's important. Yeah. So where do you see things progressing in the future? You've talked about the collaboration that you'll be doing or hopefully still be able to pick up and do with Michelle. But like, what else do you see in the next couple of years coming up for you? Next couple of years, I'm going to continue to do YouTube, opening my shop for my brick and mortar and helping others to do the same. I want to help build and then I'm still helping people build their business. But I want to be that Chef Ramsay, not the hell part, not the hell's kitchen, but I want to be that angel or be that blessing to come in and help others where you see fit. Because when you're in business, it's not easy. And a lot of times people get stuck in the market of a bakery. I want to be the one that just fly out and be like, hey, where you need help at? Let's do a sale. Let's look at your numbers. Let's look at, see where you need to do a sale to increase your sales. You know, I want to be that person to go out and help their business. Yeah. So it sounds like you're really high touch. Like you want to be right there with them, helping them. All right. So we cannot end the show without talking about a blessing that you've received over the last several months. Can you tell us what's exciting and what had happened to you? Oh, my goodness. Yes, that was the greatest baker. (laughs) Let's talk about it. Tell us your experience there. Man, that was so stressful. (laughs) Well, tell us. Walk us through. It was so stressful. Could you say this was like the shark tank for bakers? Man, yes, it definitely was because I got up to the quarterfinals. I could have had it, but it was, man, I seen the fight. In the quarterfinals, I was in first, then in third. I was bounced around from first, second, and third, first, second, and third, first, second, and third. But it's definitely something that you have to be involved to get your following or family involved to 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 support. Because <laughs> the audience votes. Yeah, the audience votes, and they buy hero votes. So hero votes would double. Like, I think they would double. But when I did it, I didn't really think what it was. I was like, okay, good. I'm like, I got a following. Let me do this. 
But then I realized, I'm like, these people. It's a whole thing. Yeah, because I just would just post it. And some of the other people, some of my students will post it. And I didn't think nothing of it. I'm like, okay. They was like, Rochelle, you made it to the next round. I'm like, I did. I'm like, all right. I'm like, okay, I'm going to post it tomorrow. I was barely posting it until I got, was gradually going to the next level. And I know, you know, Chef Blake, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So he would call. He was like, see, I got to be in competition with you. I'm not going to lose this thing. So I'm like, what you mean? Me? I'm like, shoot. He was working it. It is just, it was like we had a job to do and we were doing it every day after that point. And he was like, Rochelle, you know you made it to the quarterfinals, right? I'm like, no way. I'm like, I did. Oh, how exciting. So that's when it started to really be interesting. But yes, I was, I made it to the quarterfinals in the Greatest Baker Challenge. And that was very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you say that was very interesting. Did you see any increase in your following from that? You know, I really didn't do the analytics on that. Mm. It was more for the experience? Yeah, it really was. I'm sure you got new followers from that. And you definitely got your name out there to other people, for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was so fun. (laughs) I loved watching the progression. And then you posted and then you got to the next level and everyone was excited. And then you posted again and you got to the next level. (laughs) <laughs> it was like, oh. Yeah. And clever. Yeah, it was excited. I was like, oh, my God, really? I'm like, no way. What? That's so fun. So every day I got to the point I was checking, I was checking. I was like, wow. But always know, those that are listening, be on your A game because there is always someone watching. Oh, that's really good advice. Yeah. When you don't think they're not watching, they're watching. Mm-hmm. And I always say tell my students to be professional be you be unique and your gift because you can't be like nobody else god didn't intend it intend for you to be that way because you were created in a unique way so even in your gifting or just be you and be unique yep Beautiful. Perfect. We are going to end it there because those are golden words for sure. If someone wants to join your circle, know more about you, Rochelle, where would the single place online be that you would suggest for them to go? I would say they can follow me on Facebook, but mainly you can go to my YouTube channel. And that's all information on what you may need or look for is on there. And that's Your Sweet Connection. Or you can follow me on my Instagram at Your Sweet Connect. And you go there, I give out a lot of gifts. Ooh, <laughs> well, now you've piqued everyone's curiosity for sure. And Gift Biz listeners, you know all of that will be over in the show notes. So if you weren't able to capture the links, just look at the show notes and you will be able to get directly over to Rochelle. So thank you so much, Rochelle. This has been so interesting. I love your story. I am so glad that you healed and moved on to the whole world of confection artistry. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. 
all I have to say is Wilton missed out big time on not taking on Rochelle's line. A great example of keeping an eye on the end goal, and if one path doesn't take you there, you just find another road. Pinterest is our topic for next week. There's been a lot of conversation about Pinterest in the breeze, so I'm loaded with all your questions, and next Monday, it's answer time. Finally, make sure you check out Makers MBA while the doors are still open. Class starts March 15th, and it's already shaping up to be a great group. And I'd love to have you included. Go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash MakersMBA for all of the details and to grab your seat. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. If you'd like to show support for the podcast, a rating and review would be fabulous. And you know what that does? It helps the show get seen by more makers. So it's a really nice way to pay it forward. Also, if you follow the podcast, you'll automatically get new shows right the second that they air. That way you don't miss anything. And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.